Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Kara's Cure Show, our first one in the new year. Welcome to 2024. This is where we explore the cutting edge of wellness for our mind, body, and spirit. In fact, uh, something that we talk about a lot is that they're all linked. So what are a few things that we can do that can really work to boost our mental health, to give us a mental health refresh? Uh, Dr. Laura Saunders is a psychologist at the Premier Institute of Living in Hartford and always has some great information that we can put into practical steps. So thank you for being with us as I think we all want to start the new year off with uh, feeling better. Hello, Kara. Happy New Year. Yes, I'm excited to be here and I'm excited to start off the new year. And and I really kind of like to focus these more as like guidelines. You can call them resolutions, um, but I want things to be uh, sensible and things that you really can do and not like I'm going to exercise five days a week and then that falls off, you know, in a few weeks. So these are things that you can do that you can revisit. So it's not like, okay, well, I didn't do one kind thing a day this week. So therefore I'm, I'm giving it up. They can be revisited at any point. Right. And before we dive in, um, actually, to these, these, let me tell everyone that they're all really actionable steps that maybe you make a little challenge with your family, even your kids. Um, but what is the neuroscience behind making a habit? Because you're right, most people make resolutions and then they don't happen. So the the easy way to, to, to review that is that we we create, you know, sort of muscle memory um, which is is kind of a, a fancy word for a habit. We're really trying to change some of the thinking in our brain um, and really do things in a way that sort of sets patterns for us um, as opposed to just resorting to old negative patterns. And even when, I mean, even if you have a good habit, we do sometimes resort to old negative patterns, but it doesn't mean we can't switch sets and re, you know kind of ground ourselves back in the here and now and then use our thoughts and our behavior to help ourselves move forward. Yeah. So it takes a little bit. And, and some of these steps are going to take, uh, you know, if we want to make a resolution, so many people say they want to lose weight, they want to get healthy, but our mindset is so connected to that. So let's start with our first step. Pause on purpose daily. And I love that. But why is it so important to do that for our mental well-being? So pausing on purpose is really, it's, it's taking time. I mean, you can call it grounding. You can call it mindfulness. You know, if that those if those terms are too overwhelming, it's just like taking a pause. It could be in, at any point in the day. Taking a deep breath, taking a pause. What am I doing now? Thinking a positive thought. Um, so it could be stretching. It could be reviewing a favorite quote. So doing any of those things can really just help you be in the moment because that's ultimately what, what you want to do to help yourself feel better, right? That's the core of mindfulness is, is really being in the moment and it, understanding and taking in what's going on around you. Right. And, you know, a lot of us have so much coming at us every day and people will say, I don't have time to meditate. I don't have time for this. And you also want to say, don't you have time to do maybe the, anything, the only thing that matters to make you feel better? So you might say set an alarm, you say, if you have to, or put it on your to-do list where it just says breathe. So we remind ourselves to just take moments. We all have moments. Absolutely. We want things to be easy and, and actionable, as you said. Um, and we're not looking at an hour of meditation here because, you know, that's for 
people that, that have been doing it for years. We're talking about taking moments to take a deep breath, stretch, stand up, sit down, do something, and kind of focus on on the here and now. I always love breathing. Obviously, we all need to breathe, but taking a purposeful and intentional breath, right? We've talked about box breathing, in for four, hold for four, out for four, hold for four, you know, just doing something. And you don't have to do this for long periods of time. Doing things like that actually really grounds you and it just gets oxygen flowing through your brain and your heart. Yeah. And so just doing that, you say an intention could be that we pause once a day. Ideally, we probably have time to do a little bit more than that. But even just once a day can start, we can start to feel better and then we might want to do it even more. Yeah. And what we want to do is create success. It's not like, oh, I for, oh it's been all day and I forgot to pause for myself. That's fine. Right. It, you're thinking of it now. Do it now. It's not about, you know, it, it, focusing on the negative. It's creating successful experiences for yourself and not being so hard on yourself as well. Mm-hmm. Number two, and that goes hand in hand. Forgive yourself. Nothing comes from holding on to regrets. So we don't want our past to influence our future. So uh, how do we do that? So it's, it's, it's regrets, it's grudges, it's sometimes for some people, it's forgiving others, right? We've talked a lot in the holiday season about, um, you know, doing things where we're connecting with people, but sometimes we have people in our lives that are not healthy for us. So Mm. in some of those situations, it's stepping back or stepping away from those people or forgiving them. And remember, forgiveness is not about the other person. It really is about yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, And and forgiving yourself means you're letting go of resentment and negativity that just emotionally weighs you down. Yeah. You know, in for those who watch this, so you may know that I wrote a memoir called Finding Dad, where I grew up without my biological father and we ultimately had a good relationship. And ultimately that book, why I decided to write it some 20 years after we had this good relationship was I learned a lot about forgiveness and it really was the letting go. And so often we think of it as giving someone else a break, but it's the gift we give ourselves because then we lighten up and we can pick a new beginning if we don't have all this negativity running through us. Right. Because that negativity just emotionally weighs us down. And the more you can release that negativity, the anger, the resentment, um, the, you know, the excessive frustration, the regrets, right? I can't change what happened yesterday. Mm. But if I hold on to that regret and it eats away at me today, now it's not just what happened yesterday, it's affecting me today. So the more we can step away from those regrets and step away from that resentment, um, it doesn't, again, where it doesn't mean we're forgiving someone's behavior. If someone did something egregious to me yesterday, I don't have to, you know, forgive them for them. I'm doing it for myself. It's really about letting go of resentment. Right. And and this is where we can make the distinction, right? Forgiveness doesn't mean condoning bad behavior. It doesn't mean like, oh, it's okay that that person completely backstabbed me or that that relative did something horrible. We're not condoning behavior. We're choosing to let it go for our own peace. But how do we do that? Because that gets hard. You know, I, I, when someone has really wronged you, um, you know, the boss who fired you and you're like, how do I let this negativity go? Is there a process where we can do that? 
Well, I think it's it's pretty much what you said, right? It's acknowledging that I don't condone that behavior. The bad thing that happened to me yesterday or last week or last month or last year or 10 years ago, right? People hold resentment for a very long time. Um, the, the bad thing that happened, I'm not saying that that was okay that it happened. What I'm saying is that I don't want it to negatively affect me again today. Mm. So it's it's doing it for myself. So acknowledging what happened, sometimes that's a big part of it. This bad thing happened or this person did something that I felt was so hurtful. Um, it's acknowledging what happened. You might never get an apology for that. So so not even looking for it. But the forgiveness is I, for, I forgive what happened in the sense that I want to open up my my emotional well-being, my space, my heart, whatever you want to call it, and let good things in for myself. Yeah. And if we do that, say, you know, I, I've heard of the affirmation. Um, someone taught me that had a really troubled relationship with their mother just saying every day they would say, I forgive you for not being who I wanted you to be, which is really more about the I. But so an affirmation, journaling, like when people get stuck and say, I just can't, I'm so upset when I think about this. Right. I mean, I mean, then they, maybe they need some therapy, right? Yeah. They might need a place to really talk it through and then get an objective uh, position on it. Um, sometimes it's talking it through with a friend. It's saying to a friend, listen, I just haven't thought about this in, or I haven't talked about this out loud in a long time. Can I just talk this through with you and get some some perspective? A friend can equally be helpful in some of these situations. So instead of letting it ruminate over and over mm -hmm. again in your mind, Sometimes it is about talking it out loud. Again, journaling, writing, um, whatever you need to do to release it. Yeah. But even just making, that's huge just to make that choice. I'm choosing in 2024, I'm, I, I, I'm choosing, I want to release this. I'm going to bless it and release it. Um, now, that doesn't mean you have to be best friends with the person who hurt you. And in fact, point three is let go of toxic people in your life. So we have to evaluate if something, someone is causing us more harm or distress than good. Right. That's about creating boundaries, right? We don't have to condone someone's behavior. We don't have to allow them to be a part of our kind of circle. Um, we can move away or step away from some of those people. So we're not condoning it. We're, we're acknowledging that I need to be surrounded by people that make me feel good about myself. Mm. So it really is about letting go of some of those toxic people. And sometimes that's easier said than done. You might have this person who you can't just exile from your life because they're a family member or they're someone that you have to work with. Or So how do we set boundaries if maybe estrangement isn't a total option? Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's just time and distance, right? You know, if you just see that person at certain events or certain holidays, it might be not doing that event one time or or just creating some emotional space or asking a friend or spouse or or sibling to say, if this person starts to come up and talk to me, can you just kind of come and sort of stand by my side or interfere okay. or whatever? Um, so it's finding ways to create some distance. And that could be physical distance and or emotional distance if you can't totally cut someone out. Yeah. And then. Your other point, number four, for our mental health refresh, recognize what you can and cannot control, because if it's something we can't control, we really shouldn't spend a lot of time worrying about it. This is probably one of the hardest things to do, right? It's recognizing what you do and don't have control over, right? You have control over your attitude and the things that you do 
to help yourself, you don't have control over anyone else's actions or behavior. So it's really focusing on, you know, I have control over, you know, going on a walk. I have control over not saying terrible negative things to myself. I have control over doing a kind thing for someone. I have control over certain things in my life. And it's really focusing on what you do and do not have control over because it makes you feel powerless if you're constantly putting your energy in areas when you don't have any control. Yeah. And so this is one of those things where um, just even asking that question might make a difference of can I control this or not control this? And if you can't, then we have to sort of police ourselves and decide how much energy are we giving to something we have no control over. Right. And and it is just that simple. It's like, okay, is this something I have any control over? No, it's not something I have control over. You know, a deep breath, and that's a half step into letting it go, right? And and it might be reminding yourself, I don't have any control over this, or I'm choosing to attend this event, and I know this person will be there, so I'm going to have someone that's going to be my support person or my wing person, um, and I don't have any control over it. I don't have control over it. A lot of these things, um, actually, we really have control over very little, so it's exerting control where we do have it, mm. and then stepping back and taking taking space from things we don't have any control over. Which might be new for people of just, uh, you know, so often we just plow through it and, and we do anything. And so just uh, even taking that next step, all right, so I don't have control over that person or this situation, but I could ask that friend to be my wingman or all of that. Those small things could make a whole difference of how we experience something. Just feeling supported and connected is really critical in a lot of these difficult situations. Number five, do one daily act of kindness. So this is, uh, and again, you don't have to do all these things. I I know that you're going to tell us that we don't have to do all this. This is not about overachieving, but we're going to pick some things that might resonate with us. So maybe you're going to pause once a day, but this one I also love. Uh, Number five, do one daily act of kindness, and we can keep it really simple. This might just be complimenting someone or holding a door, and it doesn't have to be a grand display. Right. I mean, you know, I think I've said this before, you know, before the holidays, I was looking at people and saying, how are you today? Right. And I actually, I was open to whatever they had to say that they said they were great. That was great. They said they weren't great. I'd say, I'm sorry to hear that. Right. You know, it it can be, it's being seen. So it's doing little things. It's, it's holding a door. It doesn't have to be as big as, you know, buying coffee for the person behind you in the line at Dunkin'. Um, but it, it can be the little things. It can be letting someone in that is making a, you know, a turn in front of you. It's the little things that we do. And we're not necessarily looking for anything in return. I mean, that's, you know, what kindness and altruism is. I'm doing something kind. I'm releasing it. And I'm just going to feel a little bit better about myself for even a few moments because I did something kind. Well, and that's part of it. I know we should do kindness for just to be kind. But from a mental health perspective, kindness actually is a treatment of sorts. It can really change the workings of our brain the more we practice kindness and gratitude. Right, because then then it starts to become, you know, a self-statement like I'm a kind person. Right. Now, I can say I'm a kind person and I don't have to be kind 100 percent of the time, but I do kind things. Right. So it's about bringing in some of these positive affirmations and doing these kindnesses to people that you don't necessarily know. And people that are don't necessarily feel that they have to do something back for you is just, as I say, releasing kindness out into the universe. It's like good karma. If that's if you believe in karma. Yeah. 
Well, and I think, you know, although you help us in all respects, you are a child psychologist. And this is something I talk to my kids a lot about, where someone's mean to them or they're dealing with someone who's, and I'll say, well, just don't engage just or kill them with kindness. And I get a lot of resistance sometimes, especially from my son. of like, no, that makes you look wimpy or that's this. You got to like, you got to go back at it. Um, how do we explain this to our kids that kindness actually is a superpower? So it is much harder for kids, right? Because some of this, what we're talking about, um, this perspective comes with maturity, right? And as kids, I, I actually think younger kids get it a little bit better. Our teenagers tend to be more resistant, uh, really, to any intervention. But um, <laughs> for the most part, you know, to to not need to get revenge. So sometimes the kindness is just acknowledging what happened and walking away, mm. right? So you don't have to say something kind back to someone, but it's 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 you know, I'm not taking part in this, or I'm leaving, or you know, that's kind of setting a boundary. That's the kindness in some of those situations. It might not be, you know, I'm happy that you cut me off or I'm, you know, you don't have to do that, but it's setting a boundary and taking care of yourself. And sometimes it's just removing yourself from a situation and that can be a great kindness. Right. Oh, I like that. So you don't have to say smile back at the person that might be more than someone can do uh, a teenager or no, the kindness thing. What is the kindest thing I could do right now? And that might be that I'm not returning this phone call or that I'm not going to the party because I'm not going to be able to see that person and be okay, or uh, I'm going to walk away. That 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 in of itself could be an act of kindness in this sense, right? And that that kindness is like setting a boundary for yourself. That that self care boundary, like I'm not going to respond to that mean text, or I'm not going to go to that event where I know that person's going to be there and they make me uncomfortable. You know that. I, I can't be overly kind to them. They've been mean to me, but the the kindness is to yourself and it's I'm going to remove myself or I'm going to set a boundary around taking care of myself. Yeah, yeah. And number six, clean up your social media. This is something I think, you know, great for us adults, but it's also something as moms, we're really trying to get our kids to do. That seems challenging, especially if they're teens. But why is it so important that we clean up our social media? Social media, it, causes us to engage in a tremendous amount of social comparison, right? We're always looking at what someone else is doing. And it's not just adults, it's teens, it's teens too, yeah. right? They're, you know, oh, this person got a new pair of shoes or this person got the latest, you know, uh, Uggs or this person got a new, uh, you know, game, uh, video gaming system, right? Why don't I have something that, right? All it does is cause us to feel bad about ourselves. So it's just being a little bit more mindful of, the, you know, the social media figures that you follow um, and that what you're using social media for, sometimes it can be just to sort of pass the time. Um, I don't want it to be hours of scrolling, um, but to be a little bit more mindful of who you're following and what you're doing with your time on social media. We're not going to eliminate it because that's just not a realistic goal. Yeah. Uh, I mean, speaking of young people, it might be easier for us. We we do remember times without cell phones. I sometimes think that those were easier times. But um, 
Selena Gomez just said in an interview that she wishes she could take away social media from younger people, but she knows that would be impossible for her generation and anyone younger. But she wanted people to know that uh, after her own mental health struggles, that just know that 90% of what you're watching is fake and that there's not any truth behind the picture. So that's something to just recognize is that when these things are making us feel like we're less than or not as good as, it's somebody curating their highlight reel, as you often say. Right. You know, I, and I don't want to compare my, my, the, the doldrums of my life, the low points of my life to someone's highlight reel. So it's it is just being really careful. And I, I love that quote from Celine, you know, that 90 percent of what you see is 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 either someone's highlight. It was the best part of their entire month. And now I'm using the low lights of my life and comparing that. And so it, it often it just serves to make us feel bad about ourselves. Yeah. And remembering that quote that you often say, but I'll repeat it here again, because it's a great one to remember that comparison is the thief of all joy. So when we're comparing ourselves, whether we're a teenager or a grown adult, we're not going to feel good. Yeah, we're not going to feel good. And, and, you know, and, and that could be what the neighbor's doing. That You know, the neighbor's lawn looks better than my lawn. The neighbor's fence is better than my fence, right? The more we do comparison, it just serves to make us feel terrible about ourselves. So some action steps. You said stop following people you don't know or notice if someone's making you feel bad about yourself. Also setting time limits. We all have things on our phone where you, I do it as a mom, I said screen time, but we could if you're noticing that you're wasting a lot of time scrolling or you know, these are designed to be addictive devices, then we can set time limits and, and keep ourselves accountable. But how do we do that? Like if you're already doing an hour, two hours at a time, you're probably not going to go to nothing, right? Yeah, I, it, it could be taking breaks. It could be, you know, reducing a little bit. Um, you know, it, it is about who you're following and that you're, you're following people that are more positive, uh, or make you feel better about yourself. It's just doing things in a more mindful and purposeful way. Um, and, you know, we're it, we're not going to eliminate it. We're not going to, certainly not going to eliminate in the lives of our children, whether they're, you know, hopefully not, well, it's only teens and up that have social media. Um, but it's just being more aware and and being aware of how it impacts how we feel about ourselves. Yeah. So then we want to focus more on one-to-one relationships. So if you take something that could be negative and replace it with something more positive, maybe take some of that time and you're going to make a resolution. I'm going to actually call a friend, (laughs) even if you can't get together. Like I'm going to just speak to them on the phone, which would be different. Focusing more on -on one-to-one relationships can be great for our mental health. It's being intentional with your time. It's really um, building in connections. And, you know, when I, I talk a lot with parents um, whose kids really struggle in social relationships. And I say, actually, all you need is one friend. Mm. One friend can be a protective factor. So you don't need to have a group of friends and it's just one friend. And so if you can just find someone, and this goes for adults as well, because we, you know, I certainly know lots of adults that struggle with social skills and social connection, but it's finding one person outside of yourself that you can connect to. It might be meeting them up at the library. It might be joining a new a new group. It could, you know, whatever your activity is. I do prefer activities that are in person as opposed to online activities, but I guess that could be a connection as well. Um, but doing something outside of yourself, um, you know, social connection really is so, so important. And isolation is really what leads to it's such a strong contributing factor to depression. So the more we can reduce isolation and 
facilitate some type of social connection. It just helps us feel better. Yeah. Number eight, keep learning. Instead of trying to change a bad habit, you can use your resolutions as a way to feed your need for growth. Like maybe your resolution. I know you made one that you're going to start a social media account where it's your professional page. So you can put all this good information out where more people can hear. And it's not something you're used to doing. You're used to being interviewed, but not doing this. So learning something new can motivate us. Right. And you gave me some really good feedback. And so I even as long as I've been practicing, I'm open, I'm learning, I'm trying new things. Um, and the more we can just be open to, to learning something, hearing someone's, someone's point of view on something. Um, you know, again, I love libraries. I love local libraries because they're, they're, they're in every town. They don't cost anything. You go there and you just pick a topic and you just read a little bit on a topic for an afternoon, whatever you need to do to be, to, be open and learn, that's something that makes you feel good about yourself. And it really could be anything. It could be something really simple like, uh, you know, getting yourself a sketch pad and some colored pencils and just saying, I'm going to watch some YouTube videos and learn how to draw a little bit instead of just binge watching TV at night. Right. You know, it's could could there's so many different hobbies and activities out there. Um, it's just, you know, being open and aware. I did a, a walk out at Ham and Acid on New Year's Day and I thought, oh, my God, bird watching That might be actually really kind of an interesting thing to do. Right. And I don't have the time right now, but I, I think about these things for the future um, and, you know, finding things to do that might be interesting or might open up your mind. It's keeping our mind and our bodies stimulated and active. Yeah, and can really, really help. So uh, these are eight things that we've talked about that it can be super practical. Um, I, I made a intention that I, 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 I want to make sure I'm doing a brisk walk of at least 10 minutes a day. And then I'll combine that with some mindfulness because I figure I can knock two to one off. I, I usually, once I'm walking, could do more than 10 minutes. But... Um, setting an intention, I'm told it's better if we can set something that we'd actually do, right? So success is what's going to keep us going, you said. Keeping your expectations limited only leaves room for success, right? If you said, you know, if you say you have to walk for an hour or five days a week and then you don't do it and then you don't, then you feel bad about yourself, 10 minutes a day of a brisk walk and say some days you do 15, maybe some days you do a half hour, you do some mindfulness in there, you are creating success with every step. And just a, a little uh, from, from someone else that we had on the show who teaches about engineering habits, uh, 21 days to create a habit, but 90 days to create a lifestyle. So if we can start small and even do it on our worst day, by the end of that 90 days, it'll just feel like who we are. So uh, I love your points. Don't get mad if you didn't do it. Just keep going because we're that's part of creating a habit. It's not going to be perfect. Right. Every day is a new opportunity to do one positive thing for yourself, to do make one little change, to take on one guideline, one resolution, whatever you want to call them. Every day is an opportunity to do one good thing for yourself. Dr. Laura Saunders, uh, we can now follow you on Instagram. It's at Dr. Laura Saunders PsyD, right? L Saunders PsyD. Do uh, Dr. L Saunders PsyD, yes. Dr. L Saunders, S-A-U-N-D-E-R-S. PsyD, P-S-Y-D. All right. And, and this is one of those things that if you want to keep using social media, we could use it to learn instead of feel bad about ourselves or waste time. So uh, you would be a productive follow, uh, some good information coming out. <laughs>
I hope so. Dr. Laura Sanders from the Institute of Living, uh, thank you so much. And thank you, everyone who has supported Kara's Cures. I hope that we can all continue to explore cutting-edge wellness to feel better together. You can follow me at Kara Sundlin. I do post this content there. Or join the Kara's Cures Facebook group. Have a great day and a great new year, and be well. <laughs>